Welcome to WeRDB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks again for joining us as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest movies you mightn't ever have seen. This week, Raiders number 50 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Rear Window. Released in 1954, starring James Stewart as the lead, Rear Window is a mystery thriller set in Greenwich Village in Manhattan, New York. Based on the 1942 short story by Cornel Woolrich from 1942 titled It Had to Be Murder, Rear Window is produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. That kind of gives it away, doesn't it? It Had to Be Murder? Yeah. Yeah, I like Rear Window better. I think it's more fitting. Hopefully I didn't spoil anything just then. I mean, it's like a 70-year-old movie. <laughs> um, so we have discussed Alfred Hitchcock's work previously on the episode on Psycho, and even James Stewart's work in It's a Wonderful Life episode, so if you want to hear more about those, I recommend those. So there was a remake to this in 1998 with Christopher Reeve as the guy, and I, I think it was like a made-for-television movie. I don't think it was very good. And do you remember that Shia LaBeouf movie, Disturbia, that we watched? Mm-hmm. That's a modern retelling of this. And I actually really quite like Disturbia. I've seen it a bunch of times. Okay. Not nearly the same. I mean, I see how it is, but... Uh, but Yeah, because yeah, okay. his idea is he's on house arrest. So he has... He Does he have a camera? Yes. Or does he just have binoculars? And then he looks into his neighbor's lives and finds out that one guy's a bit shady. No, I think he does have a camera and he's using it in the same way that Jeff is using a camera. Yeah. Not to take pictures, but to see... Because then he's got his girlfriend that comes over and they start, like, interpreting the, the neighbours as well. So, it's a very similar sort of thing. Hmm. Interesting how you can take one idea and spin it off into a bunch of different things, like, from the same premise. Yeah, we actually mentioned that quite a lot on Psycho. Hmm. So, you hadn't seen this before. Nope. So, what did you think of it? I liked this one better than Psycho. I think I do, too. I'm, I've seen this one before. This is the second time I've watched it. I think this is the... My favorite movie from, like, pre-1970. Best movie of the golden age that I've seen. I really like it. It didn't feel like old movie trope-y. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like, here's the music that lets you know that this is an old movie, and here's the cinematography and the style of acting. Like, it just, it felt like I was watching any other story. I think that is credited to Alfred Hitchcock because he was very much ahead of his time. Mm. So he was he was doing things that didn't make his movies necessarily feel like stage plays or that they were just reading lines. Like, he really got the best out of the people he was working with. See, but even Psycho felt old. And that was nothing to do with the fact that it was black and white. Okay, and that was actually made after this. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it was six like years better. after this. I like this a lot better. It was the music in Psycho. Yeah, I can see that. And maybe maybe I'm biased because I'm used to that sort of music being used in situations that are like, this is old. You know, like it... Mm. I don't know. Anyway, no, I like this one better. This is very much 
like a one set kind of movie, which is interesting. Um, like a bottle episode of a movie. And I don't know. It's, it's similar to 12 Angry Men in that way. I think a lot of the movies that were based on plays had that one sort of set. There's not much to talk about with this. Like, it, it's just exploring, like, the way that people are and the way they interact with each other in public and not in public and exploring kind of the ethics surrounding, like, looking at your neighbors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought it was very a very accurate depiction of the way that people actually would behave and would think when about their the houses. way other people are behaving yeah and the way they interact together well i think the best thing about this movie is the character being able to read the stories of his neighbors around him and hitchcock being able to tell those stories purely with visuals mm. and body language and facial expressions because you first see you've got our, one of his neighbors are newlyweds and you can tell that they're newlyweds you can tell what they're where they are in their relationship just by him watching them through the window you've got mm. the musician where you get a pretty good idea that he's depressed and lonely even though he's got lots of friends around him he's not physically lonely he's just a sad person you know and you can mm. tell that just from the way he walks around his apartment and interacts with people and the music he plays um you've obviously got what did he call her? Mrs. Lonely Hearts? The lonely Miss older lonely lady. Heart. Miss yeah. Lonely Heart. Um, and you can tell what is important to her and what she wants just from watching her. Mm. So I think there's a lot of things here where it's just, it's really interesting to watch. The way he depicts people. Yeah. Yeah. There's the socialite ballerina and even um, Lisa, she's interpreting what the dancer's motivations are and what she's interested in just from watching her from a distance. So it's really quite well constructed in that way. Well, and I like, too, the way that they, like Jeff and Lisa, kind of banter back and forth about, well, do you think she's doing this? No, she wouldn't do that. That's not how women think. Or no, he wouldn't do that. That's not how men think yeah. kind of thing. And just those conversations. I like that kind of stuff. It, it's almost... <laughs> And this might be a bit of a stretch, but it's almost Tarantino-esque in the way that they're talking about and interpreting people. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. I think Tarantino's always been a very good judge of the character of human nature, and he highlights it through the little nuanced things that people do, and I think this movie also does that. It highlights yeah. those nuances that we don't tend to focus on so much, and that's what makes it believable well even the couple who sleeps outside because it's too hot they're in the middle of summer so they go and sleep out on the fire escape that's what i interpreted from that anyway mm -hmm. um that's something that he didn't have to add in there but he he added it to the characters so you get a sort of sense as to who they are as people and what's the, what their relationship is mm. um and i kind of i like that it's one of the most enjoyable parts of the movie for me is watching the main character interpret what are all his neighbors doing and and who they are and I think it's actually really great production design or, or set design. What's the word I'm looking for? To be Probably able to set design. Set design, yeah. In order to show all these different perspectives to the main character, just from him sitting there at his rear window. Um, and he could have done it just by having a grid of an apartment building across from him, and he looks in every one of the windows. But every one of his neighbors has a different character to the place that they're living in and the windows that he's looking into their lives in. It's a bit 
unrealistic that he's going to see all of these things from a single perspective in a courtyard, but I think it's really great design in order to create that visually just by turning your head from the single rear window, you're going to see all of these different aspects, you know? It's really well done, because you can even see into the street across the mm-hmm. courtyard. And they're not actually in one building. They're in three separate buildings from him. Yeah, so it's a courtyard of four houses. Yeah, and I thought that was quite accurate, because like this is New York, and they would have all gone up at different times. You know, like, it's New York, it's old, it's not... It's not cookie cutter like a lot of yeah. newer places are. So it, it didn't feel inaccurate. You know what I mean? It didn't feel... It felt feel... very lived in, yeah. Yes. It's got character to it. Yes. Um, like you said, there's not a lot else to say about this movie. So we're going to get into spoilers if you've never heard or seen Rear Window before. So this is basically Jeff watching his neighbors and he basically comes to the realization that one of them in particular is a bit shady. Um, he's watching them, by the way, because he's been stuck in his apartment with a broken leg. Like, he's not just some weirdo. He literally literally can't leave, and he's bored, so he just has taken to noticing what's going on in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no internet or Netflix or anything around, so (laughs) this is his entertainment. Yeah, he's just watching his neighbors. He's just sitting around in the hedges with his pants off. Oh, fucking Um, Jesus. (laughs) So you didn't initially think that he had killed his wife. Like, you thought that they would follow him and follow him and dig up all these things and go into his apartment and find out in the end that he never actually did it? Yeah, because I was like, well, but but she left. So that had to be her. I didn't clue in on some things till the very end, and I was like, ooh, yuck. So did you think that there would be more of a twist ending to this or did you find it too predictable and that's why you were anticipating it to go in a different direction? I'm not sure where I expected it to go because I kind of tend to just either I guess and I'm right or I don't guess and I just see where it goes. That's kind of how okay. movies go for me. Um, I don't tend to have instances where I'm like, I bet you this is going to happen and then it doesn't happen. So this one, I was just kind of along for the ride. I I wasn't really expecting him to be proven wrong in any sort of magnificent and sensational way. I wasn't Mm. really sure what I was expecting. It was just like, well, she's not dead, though. So let's see how they come to this conclusion. And then maybe the story will go somewhere else from there. So what did you like? What did you think of the ending? It was good because it wasn't a total shock. I wasn't like, what? I was able to sit back and go... Oh, there were clues to this throughout the movie. And actually, the fact that I didn't realize it makes it all the more eerie, you know? I actually, there are actually quite a few th- elements in this that I really quite like. It's like a modern thriller where it is, it's really quite gripping. There's obviously the part where... But I appreciated that it wasn't like jump scare-y. Yeah, it's a thriller, it very... not like a horror or anything like that. But even modern thrillers are a lot of like... They're on the edge of horror, whereas I prefer yeah. things like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's obviously uh, Thornwell coming into his apartment and they're both staring at each other in the dark. That's kind of like really gripping and tense. Um, mm. But I think one of the best ones is when Lisa starts to believe that Jeff might be onto something. Yeah. 
for whatever reason, she's like, no, like, I don't know where you're getting this idea from. You're totally out to lunch. You know what I mean? And then she looks and something happens and she's like, okay. The change of facial expression on her face. That's what it was. They were having a conversation and she was very skeptical. And then all of a sudden you see her, like, you're just focusing in on a close-up of her face. And her facial expression just sinks. And she stands up and stares out the window. And then Jeff turns and stares at the camera too. And you don't know what they're looking at. And you're like, what? What is it? What? And she's like, you have to tell me everything. Start from the beginning sort of thing. Yeah. And that is very intriguing. And I think that's all very brilliant because you're making the audience scream like, what is it? Tell me what it is. What do you see? What could make your character switch on a dime like that? I think it was the rope. I think it was when he went and got the rope to tie up the suitcase. I don't actually remember because they looked over quite a few times and saw uh, quite a few revelations. Um, And then there's also him trying to figure out he was looking through his old photographs at the garden bed and he came to the conclusion that there's something probably buried there. Um, and that's really quite an interesting reveal as well. So there's actually quite mm. a few that I like watching. It's really entertaining. It's actually pretty sinister. Yeah. Like if you think about what actually happens, like, so for me to go from like, but she's not dead though, to be like, Oh my God, he was taking her out in pieces. It was like, oh, that was like a, a chilling moment for me. Like just thinking about it now, I got goosebumps again. Because I'm like, what is he? Because everybody's like, what is he taking out in his briefcase? Like he's just coming and going and coming and going. I'm like, yeah, what's he taking out? And to realize it was bits of his wife. <laughs> well, the nurse even made a joke and says that there's probably parts of her all spread out through the Hudson or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the end, he said, yeah, we're ready to take you out and show you where all the pieces are. And it's like, fuck, she was actually right about that. And that realization is kind of very chilling. Why did he kill her? And when did he kill her? I don't know when, because Jeff was watching for quite a long time. Um, He can't see much of the bathroom, though, from where his view is. I would say why, again, going back to... Alfred Hitchcock showing the interactions is purely from visuals from a distance. You could tell that she really didn't appreciate him and she was kind yeah. of abusive because he was trying to tend to her sick in bed and she didn't care. She she was like she yelling at him, at him and having a go at him. Yeah. Um The snapping point for him seemed to be like he brought her a flower and she threw it away. Yeah. And that seemed to be the moment where he was like, Fuck you, bitch. I mean, a bit of an overreaction, but, you know. So before anything else, really, before Jeff thinks that there's anything going on, mm-hmm. um, he's showing their relationship and their interactions as to what that snapping point was and why would what would he be driven to kill his wife for. Like, I think it's, it's really well structured. Mm. Well, and I'm trying to think, like, when is the last time we actually see her? I think she goes between the two windows and you never see her again. You know, she gets out of yeah. bed while he's on the phone and she stands in the the doorway between the two windows where we can't see and I don't think we ever see her again. Well, that's kind of like the entrance to their bathroom. Yeah, it's like to the left there behind the arch there would be the bathroom and forward there would be the bedroom. Mm. What I don't understand is the detective said that witnesses saw a woman get on the train. And and we see a woman leave the apartment. Jeff yeah. doesn't because he's sleeping, but we as the audience do. Oh, so, you know what? 
Hmm. I'm just thinking about what actually happens in Disturbia, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is the retelling. Um, the killer dresses in women's clothing and drives their cars away so it looks like to any witnesses that a female has left the building. So that must be what's happening here. He must be dressing up. Because in that movie, he has wigs and stuff. No, because you see them both. You see two people. You see him and a woman. And witnesses report him and a woman. Well, I don't know. I, that's my question. What uh, What is that? Because there was even reports that the package had arrived where he was sending it. Someone actually got off the train where it was going. He was making long-distance phone calls. All of that, I'm a little confused about who was he contacting, who was doing all that. Lisa thought he was having an affair. Right, but he wasn't, so I'm just asking. Well, he could have been. Okay, so he could have been having an affair. And then and she that's finally... that's also motivation? Yeah, she, like, the wife finally pissed him off enough. He's like, I'm not just going to leave you, I'm going to do you in. So you that know? was the woman you're saying he left with. She was yeah. the one on the train. Okay. All right, that was a little unclear to me. Yeah, that's a speculation okay. on my part. I don't know if that, like, that wasn't super clear to me either. Well, the only time that that's brought up is, like you said, Lisa brings it up. But there was definitely a woman that left that apartment. Yeah, if it, if it's not that, then I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. He wouldn't pass for his wife anyway. <laughs> He's a big guy. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Can I just say that... If someone asked me what the definition of beauty is, I would point them to Grace Kelly in this movie. She is just remarkable in every scene that she's in. She's always dressed like she's going to a ball or something. Is mm. that just a product of the times? Like, she's always just, like, beautiful. Well, because this is set in the present day, right? Like, in this the 50s, is set yes. in their present day. I think she does dress more nicely than most people would, but I think... Even Miss Lonely Heart, she went out and she had a hat and a dress and everything. Like it was, yeah. the, it was this the norm to dress nicely. However, Lisa dresses really nicely. Yeah, even all the guys, even when they're in their house, they're always wearing suits. Mm. There was a long storyline actually with that kept coming back to Jeff and Lisa not getting married because mm. he travels a lot. With his work, he's a photographer, and she likes to wear pretty dresses and have heels and stuff, so there's a bit of a conflict there. She's a bit young for him, isn't she? Uh, Maybe a little bit, but I don't think that was also atypical of the time. She also, though, um, she's a socialite, and I think she's involved with fashion. Like, I think she's involved with a magazine or something. So, like, she's not just a rich lady who goes around and wears pretty things like she's actually done something with it i think he's a bit silly not to marry her to be honest i do i'm like you freaking idiot he didn't treat her very nicely anyway she was lovely to him he he kept saying she's too perfect he wished she was less perfect Mm. like he's got high standards i think so because like i think he's saying you know he wishes she wasn't so prim and proper because he can't see how that would work with his lifestyle. Mm. And you can see at the end, she changes for him. Yeah. You can see that because she's reading a book about something, like about ruins or something. Yeah. 
And then when she sees he's asleep, she reaches for her fashion magazine. And she's all dressed in pants and everything, too. See, even in that, just that gesture, you're showing what is really important to her and what why she's actually doing this, right? So she's reading a book on the Himalayas, and then when she realizes that he's not looking, she gets the beauty magazine. It just really shows what's important to her. Like, you made a note that said that he's really stubborn, but she's also trying to change him. It was an interesting relationship that had nothing to do with the murder mystery that was just running alongside it. She was trying to change him to be more proper, but when she realized that she couldn't, she was willing to change herself. And I don't like that message. That's a very old, old world message. I think it was very clever and cunning on her part because she ends up getting what she wants without having really to sacrifice. She's making the sacrifice of her own volition. But I just... Drop kick his ass out of there if he doesn't like you for who you are, girl. Fuck. You know? Yeah, she can definitely go get a better man. (laughs) Yeah. So. She's literally a princess. Yeah. She could have anyone she wants. I got nothing else to say. Me neither. That was a really short one. That was a really short one, wasn't it? But 12 Angry Men was a very short one as well, and that was from 1954. And they're both, you know, bottle episode they're kind of similar. movies. Yeah. Um, but I do really like this. Uh, it's my favorite Hitchcock, and I've seen six or seven of his. Um, and like I said, it's my favorite one that's an early earlier movie. It's a 70-year-old movie, and I, I really like it, and I think it's because of those gripping thriller elements and the very clever visual storytelling on Hitchcock's part. It was my favorite of the old American movies we've seen so far. You like um, Seven Samurai better? I really like Seven Samurai and Harakiri. They were okay. really good. But of the American ones that we've seen, this is probably my favorite. Because it was just... Maybe I'm coming off as simple-minded or something, but, like, it's easy to follow. It was relatively easy to follow, and it was engaging. No, I see that. And I appreciate that, you know? You said before going into this, like, oh, we have to watch another one from before 1960. And not that that you you weren't saying it like it was a bad thing. You were just like, my life hasn't really been changed by any of these movies that are really old, you know? They don't have that gripping weight behind them like modern movies do nothing's made me like think about my life or my existence or anything um well most of them i'm like yeah okay wouldn't watch it again though yeah this one i probably would which is i think saying something okay that's what i was going to ask is what what's your opinion after watching the movie i liked it and good this is probably one of the only ones that i would watch again like one of the only older american movies that i would watch again I don't like that golden age of cinema. I think it sucked. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) I think it would have been really fun to be an actor in that time because they were starting to do bigger... That's a very strong statement. Like, well, they were starting to do more large-scale, expensive productions like Cleopatra or... Lawrence of Arabia, Ben-Hur. Yeah. I think those would have been really fun to be a part of Mm. and probably at the time would have been fun to watch. I don't know if I'd enjoy watching them as someone from this decade. I don't know. I just, the trends from cinema of that time are not, they don't do much for me. You know, the things Mm. that I tend to like are things that kind of transcend trends. 
Okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Whether it's, like... Timeless. A, yeah, well, but, but, like, being engaging and having a captivating and straightforward plot and having, you know, good character development, like, none of that has to do with a particular country or style of movie making, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's above all that. And then the nuances of those trends that I'm talking about, that's where I tend to find that I don't like movies, is when it's like really typically a 50s movie or a 90s movie or a 70s movie. The yeah. things that make me like it are things that transcend those things. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook, comment on SoundCloud or YouTube, or support us on Patreon. And until next week, thanks for listening. And actually do go listen on SoundCloud and comment, because I don't think anyone fucking does. SoundCloud is one of the least popular ones. YouTube's reasonably popular. Well, comment. Comment on YouTube. Reach out on Instagram. And rate on iTunes. That helps. Yeah, do that. This is basically Jeff. I forgot the character's name. Jeff. Jeff. (laughs) My name's Jeff. (laughs) Do you remember that? I don't remember what it's from. It's from 22 Jump Street. Oh, that's right. My name's Jeff. (laughs) God, I'm losing it. I need coffee.